Hello, greetings and welcome to Alchemy. It's great to have your company and hopefully you enjoy the show that we're about to bring to you for the next couple of hours. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net and you can follow us and say hello both through Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy. We exist thanks to your kind donations. It costs quite a bit to put the show together and to keep it going, what with bandwidth and all kinds of peripheral costs. And uh, in monetary terms, quite a bit isn't something that we have. So we're extremely grateful for anything that you can offer. You can do so via our website. There's a donate button there. We're completely non-profit and intend to stay that way. So then, on to the show. Our guest this week is Janice Barcelo. Janice is a sociologist and independent childbirth educator specialising in the prevention and healing of birth trauma. She is also an international speaker, TV and radio show host and founder of the Birth of a New Earth Preparatory School for Conscious Procreation. Janice has been an independent childbirth educator for many years, offering educational seminars and teacher trainings, as well as workshops and educational programmes. Janice, you're very welcome to Alchemy. How are you? Oh, I'm really well. Thank you, John. I'm still kind of flying high from the Free Your Mind uh, conference and my experience there. And I'm excited to be talking to you today and your people and to share this very important information. So thanks for having me on. No, it's great to have you on. You'll be speaking about a lot of topics that we haven't actually spoken about to anyone else on this show. So I'm very excited about that. And having been one of the lucky people who was in attendance for your presentation at Free Your Mind, as was Stevie, my brother and the producer on the show here, I have to say it was absolutely electric. The response in the room was huge. At one point, I think you were going over time and Bob Tuskin, who we've also had on the show here, the the organ Organizer, one of the two organizers of the conference walked into the room to try and kick you off the stage and such was the uh, the opposition to that that you were allowed to continue on into what was supposedly the lunch break so I think that yeah. uh, that spoke volumes for how your presentation was being received I was so moved by that because I, I simply said to him Bob we've had a request for me to go longer are you okay with that <laughs> and he said yes and everybody in the room started clapping so that is such a wonderful response you know for people wanting to hear more it was great <laughs> no it really was great and we'll be of course getting into all the topics you were discussing at the conference but there's a question that I ask everybody on the show and I'm going to ask you the same thing Janice that's how did you get from where you were to where you are now <clears throat> Well, it's been a long and winding road, and I don't want to bore people with the details. I will tell you this. When I was in graduate school, um, this was when I was in my 30s, I was beginning to wake up spiritually because I had been extremely unconscious until that point. And I was studying sexual violence. I live in the United States, and I wanted to understand why the men in the United States are so sexually violent. And I did my master's thesis on that topic, and I began to look into the way that our culture conditions the boys and what is happening to boys um, as very young children. And in the United States, uh, we have been very strongly influenced by Jewish uh, tradition, and so uh, American boys are circumcised in infancy. In any event, there's been a tremendous amount of research done on the connection between being sexually tortured like that in infancy and sexual violence later in life. 
So this was a very big awakening for me in terms of really understanding the damage that we are inflicting on the boys, not just in the United States but elsewhere, but it's extreme in the U.S. because of the Jewish influence and the Jewish takeover of the medical system. Um, Later, I gave birth to a child who uh, was born dead, and she was put on machines in a neonatal intensive care unit. And I had the experience of watching her be tortured, literally tortured, by the medical people. And I had flashbacks to my own birth and what they did to me. And this set me, well, first of all, she died during uh, an operation that they called tracheotomy. They were slicing a hole in her throat and um, to put in a tube. And apparently they do not give anesthetic to infants or children. They don't give anesthetic for the circumcision either. Um, But they will literally do heart surgery on infants without anesthesia in the United States, although they paralyze the children during surgery. So the children cannot move or cry or um, address the torture. But presumably are feeling everything. They feel everything. Absolutely. Wow. So she died um, during that surgery and... um, I was shaken to my core by what I witnessed with her, and I went into post-traumatic stress and subsequently sought healing for birth trauma. And that is what took me into the depth of understanding what's going on during hospital birth and who is behind it, Uh, what are the forces that have taken over the medical system that have sought to uh, inflict methods of trauma-based mind control on infants. As soon as we emerge from the womb, we are being tortured, systematically tortured in hospitals. Most people don't have a language to understand this, and I certainly did not either until I began my healing process and until I began waking up to... Uh, the satanic forces on our planet, uh, what is trauma-based mind control, how does that fit into the medical system, who's running the medical system, also the Jews. And um, at this point, it's taken me into understanding that Judaism itself is a Luciferian cult. And this is something we need to really uh, understand and talk about because we have to put a stop to the evil of these entities who have been uh, attacking mankind for several centuries. Um, so that's how I got to where I am. It's in trying to understand um, the trauma of birth. It took me into uh, literature on trauma-based mind control, and then I began to look at the protocols of hospital birth, for example, circumcision, Mm -hmm. and compare that to the protocols of trauma-based mind control. And I I could see that point for point, every single thing that they are doing to infants 
during hospital birth is um, deliberately to cause harm. And this is going to be very hard for people to uh, accept because yeah. we have looked at the medical system as a, a source of help and benefit but nothing could be further from the truth. And I can go into deep detail about that and also about the manipulation of sexuality, um, you know, getting us to behave from base carnal impulses uh, so that we will create children uh, haphazardly and um, unwanted children suffer immensely especially when they're conceived by parents who don't love each other. Um, and so this is a very deep topic, and pornography, of course, is a driving force. And as we begin to look very deep into this, we will find wherever there is evil, there also is the Jewish hand. Okay, we're going to get into all of that. And with regard to the Jewish hand, are you speaking... About all Jews, Janice? Are you speaking about Zionism per se? Or is there any kind of box that you put on it when you use the term as a matter of interest? Let me say this. Zionism would not uh, exist if not for Judaism. So that's something we need to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, We we avoid saying Jews and Judaism because we have uh, sort of a built-in terror of being murdered. Because we have cellular memory of the enormous amount of human sacrifice um, and ritual torture that has happened at the hands of this cult. It is a cult. It is a Luciferian cult. And we all, on a very core level, understand that and are terrified to speak about it for fear of being tortured and killed. So I'm not going to mix words about this. I'm going to be very honest and direct as I see it. Do I think all Jews are participating in human sacrifice? No, I don't. Do I think all Jews are involved in ritual torture? Well, the majority of them are torturing their infant sons because they're under severe mind control. And you're speaking about circumcision there, of course. Exactly. Okay, well, we're going to get into all that. I just wanted to clarify at the outset so that we had a framework for the conversation. Um, you've, you've touched on quite a number of things, and I think a good place to start would be maybe the impact of conception, um, gestation and birth imprints, and how the impl- impact and influence on people for the rest of their lives. So yeah. when you speak about that in your work, how important is conception? What is conception? I mean, we, we all know how a child is conceived physically, of course, but there's more to it than that. And you go into it in some depth in your work. So let's talk about conception and gestation then and what the birth imprint is, Jenny's. <clears throat> conception is um, one of the most important imprints that we will have because it is our first um, experience of incarnation. So the, the consciousness of our parents is very, very significant in terms of the outcome of our psychological and spiritual development. If our parents are looking at each other as co-creators of life, if they are interested in uh, bringing their love into eternity, 
by bringing their bodies together and creating life, then our lives will have a very gentle aspect to them and a very spiritually conscious aspect to them that will be missing if our parents have brought their bodies together because they want to get off, which is 99% of what's going on on our planet right now. And if children are then conceived as a side effect of this carnal activity. So we have been in denial extreme denial about the importance of conception and the first nine months in the womb and pretended that none of it matters. And I'm going to say to you that what happens at conception and during the first nine months is the most important time in our development and in the way our consciousness will express Also the way our health will express, the way our mental health will express. If we are conceived by parents who do not love each other, okay, let's, in my, let me give a personal experience, okay. My parents were young. They were teenagers at a drive-in movie theater. They decided to have sex in the backseat of a car, This was just a few years after the uh, introduction of pornography into the United States. Mm -hmm. And I was conceived through that carnal activity to people who were not ready and did not want to have children and who did not love each other. Okay, on the contrary, my father was incredibly abusive to my mother. And my mother cried when she realized she was going to have to marry him because that was the rules, according to her mother, that she had had sex with him and created life and now she had to marry him. So she did. But the impact on a child when you are gestating in a womb, number one, most mothers, because they conceive unconsciously, do not recognize that there's a baby in their womb. And so the baby is ignored completely, is alone for the first six or eight weeks of its life, sometimes longer, or until the mother figures out that she's pregnant. So here, if we compare that to a conscious conception, to people that have called forth the baby and want the baby, then the relationship between the parents and that baby begins even before the conception. So on an energetic level, perhaps. And on a very physiological level. Okay. Okay, because the baby is also developing physiologically and psychologically. The minute of conception, okay, begins the process of physiological development. Now, if you're ignored, if there's nobody there to welcome you and to greet you, that's a very lonely time for a child that's been conceived haphazardly. And then when the mother finds out she's pregnant, okay, very often what the reaction will be, oh, no, oh, shit, Mm. what am I going to do now? Maybe I should have an abortion or kill my baby. Okay, now, this moment we call discovery. 
is the first imprint of relationship that this baby will have with another human being. Okay, so the imprint is, I am not loved and I am not lovable. In fact, this person who should be wanting to care for me and love me wants to kill me. And this is profoundly damaging, extremely and profoundly damaging. And this damage can be brought into our choice of relationships later in life. Because if we are walking around with a cellular imprint that says, I am not lovable and I am not loved, our tendency is to attract people who do not love us and will confirm that we are not lovable. What we're trying to do is to heal the imprint by changing them, right, in the hopes that they will come around to loving us, that we can finally at last feel that we are lovable. But generally, we we end up uh, feeling re-traumatized because of our imprinting and the fact that our bodies are magnetic organisms and we attract these experiences to ourselves when we've been traumatized. We're always seeking a way to work out the trauma. Let me give you another example. My parents... My parents were always fighting. And as I said, my father was extremely abusive. So when I came of age, I attracted men who were like my father, who were also abusive. And the reason I did that and the reason we all do that is because we are hoping in the recreation of the experience that we can change the experience and have a happy ending I don't know if I'm making sense but the idea is if I can manifest a man like my father and change him so that he will love me Mm -hmm. so that he will be kind to me right then my original imprint can heal yeah so it's almost like the subconscious trying to correct an imprint exactly and do you think the imprint can be corrected I don't mean by changing the father-like figure, but do you think the imprint can be connected through genuine love as the baby develops and becomes older, or is it something that's always there and will always have a negative impact? Yes, um, it can be healed. These imprints can be healed, especially if the parents are conscious. Mm. For people like me who did not have conscious parents, uh, it took me till I was into my 40s to begin to unravel the, the imprints that I was incarnated with based on my conception and my gestation and my birth and how that affected my behavior, my choices, my experiences, my whole world. Literally, Mm. everything in my world was affected by this, and we are all affected by this. And if it takes us this long to unravel it, you know, then we have to find some kind of holistic tool to work with our nervous system to begin to move the trauma out of the nervous system and out of our bodies. So for me, it has been a Japanese system of energy medicine called Jinshin Jitsu, Um, And I have been practicing that system for about 10 years now, uh, doing self-care every single day, um, understanding 
the different flows that are necessary for the different types of trauma and really working it with myself. And I have been um, celibate probably for at least five or six years now because I've made the commitment not to go back into relationship until I'm extremely sure that this patterning is gone. So the next partner that I manifest, I, I as everybody else on our planet, is seeking <clears throat> authentic and enduring love. And so I don't want to have any more dysfunctional relationships. I would rather be uh, alone, single, in my power, healing myself, um, creating my life in a very in a way that makes me feel like I can be happy and then and then bring a partner to me, mm-hmm. you know, who is a, a real match, who is able to love at the depth that I am now able to love because of the depth of the healing that has taken place. So I do believe these imprints are healable, but it's not easy. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes a a desire and understanding that we need to do it. And, you know, how much better would it be if we could just get hold of our carnal impulses and stop doing this to ourselves and our children? Because believe you me... I'm not the only one suffering, you know, through my life. My mother had to watch me suffer. My father had to watch me suffer, right? My siblings have also suffered, all right? All of us are suffering, and my siblings have now passed it on to their children. Okay. Because they have not done the healing. And so this lineage of trauma and abuse and neglect goes on and on unless we get our... You know, we have to take responsibility for what we're doing and stop it. This is imperative, and I'm, I'm almost pleading with people to see this and to break free from the pornographic mind control of the Luciferian forces who are able to harness the life force of our children because of the way that we're creating them. And we're going to talk quite a lot about life forces and how they can be harnessed and what exactly has been done and by whom. But I'd like to talk about birth trauma then as well, because I think um, obviously we've spoken about conception there and gestation and birth imprints. But birth trauma is something that you've done extensive research and written extensively and spoken extensively about. And it's something that until I came across your work, Janice, I wasn't aware of at all. I mean, I suppose, was of the the mainstream assumption that a hospital birth was to make sure that infant mortality rates were reduced as they had been way higher in the past and that everything was done for the good of the baby and the mother. And what you're saying then about birth trauma, and this is circumcision aside, and we will look at circumcision, of course, in depth, but aside from that, the actual process used within hospitals in modern Western medicine and within that paradigm is not conducive to a healthy baby or a healthy mother or to their spiritual or physical growth in the future. Is that the case? I mean, that's the work that you've been doing. So let's talk about that for a while because it's quite fascinating. 
Well, on the contrary, it's not conducive to the well-being of children, of mothers, of families. It is deliberately designed to uh, break the bonds of love in that family and between parents and their children. Everything, every single thing is designed to attack us. This attack begins in the womb with what we call prenatal care. So ultrasound Let me um, stress that ultrasound is created as a weapon. It's a naval weapon. It, It, from its inception, was designed to produce death. So you're talking about the military use of it then, yeah? That's what it's for. Mm. uh, hospitals are military institutions. They're temples of the occult. Uh, But in any event, what I want to say is ultrasound when the military uses these frequencies in the ocean, dolphins and whales beach themselves, many of them with brain hemorrhages. Now, that should give us pause. Mm, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so what, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, what is going on there? All right. Obviously, these frequencies are extremely damaging to the brain, and they have known this from the very beginning. All right. Every time a baby is exposed to these frequencies in the womb, there is a, a cumulative amount of brain damage that will ensue. Ultrasound is the precursor to autism. And never has there been a time on our planet when children have been this damaged. Okay, where one in five boys... In the United States, wait, I'm sorry, one in 50 boys in the United States is now diagnosed with autism. And boys get it five times more than girls because of the trauma of circumcision, which puts them over the edge neurologically. We have to understand that neurons that were intended to make their way up into the development of the cortex will not get there when ultrasound frequencies have been introduced. So the cortex is the part of our brain that allows us to communicate with the divine mind. It is the part of our brain that allows us to uh, control our violent impulses, to analyze each situation and say, is this an appropriate time for me to get violent or not? Mm. All right, but that part of our brain will be uh, damaged, atrophied because of the ultrasound. And when they insert a fetal heart monitor what they call an internal fetal heart monitor, into the baby's head. Literally, they take a screw and screw this into the soft spot of the baby's head while the baby is still in the womb. These are ultrasound frequencies being continually blasted at the baby throughout the entire labor, through, at the baby's brain. Now, I know there will be people listening to us speaking who will be thinking, well, I had loads of ultrasounds and my baby was just fine. But if we look at the actual science that is behind it, we are energetic beings. We are beings of frequency. We did actually did an alchemy episode that was entitled Beings of Frequency, if people want to check the archives. 
And it stands to reason that certain frequencies would have certain effects on us. So we'll continue just with that in mind. Um, ultrasound is causing intrauterine growth retardation. I could give you, I'm writing a book right now called MK Ultrasound. They are using it for mind control. They are using it for, to create infertility. They're using it as a, as a form of contraception. So if you expose the adult male scrotum to two 15-minute blasts of this technology, they will be infertile for a minimum of six months, and that infertility can be permanent. What do we think is happening to the developing testes and ovaries of children that are in the womb when we're blasting these frequencies sometimes for 30 minutes or an hour to discover the sex? right at their genitals. I'm telling you, this is a weapon. These, what, this, everything they do is a weapon, and we'll get into that. Every single thing that they do is designed to cause harm. Now, let me stress that this is not to say everybody that works in medicine understands the agenda, because they don't. They're all under mind control. There's a section in my book about the mind control of medical students. And people need to understand that medical students are also put through a system of trauma-based mind control. They're sleep-deprived, just like the military people are. They're nutrition-deprived. They're sunlight-deprived. They are forced to do horrific things, horrific, while in medical school, in order to get them to dissociate so that an alter personality will, will, will pop into that body. What kind of things would they be, Jenny's? Well, for example, and I've written about this in my book, Birth, Trauma, and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine, which you can get at my website at birthofanewearth.com. All right. For example, I have one woman who was an animal science major at Rutgers University. She told me of a class called Learned Helplessness, where the students were made to go into a room where they put a dog in a tank full of water and made the dog swim for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And if the dog went to the platform to try to save its life, it was electroshocked. So they waited until the dog collapsed and gave up. They saved the dog and then brought the dog back and did it again and again and again. And this was their lesson in learned helplessness, how people could be conditioned to learn helplessness. I can tell you many more stories about what they're doing to these students which is that a common practice? I mean, not necessarily that specific experiment or whatever you want to call it. Uh, debased behavior would be one of the descriptions I would use. But in medical schools globally, is that kind of trauma-based um, activity commonplace or how commonplace is it? Well, based on my research, it's, it's the norm. All right. I have, I have stories from several different doctors who went through medical school. Right. Another one was talking about how um, they brought they brought a dog in on a um, like a surgery table, 
They were told that the dog was anesthetized. But each student had to come up and cut open the dog and clean out a wound and then sew it up. So this dog had been cut open and had burning stuff put in the womb and then stitched up um, many, many times by each of the students. Mm -hmm. And as we go deeper into it, we find out that they don't use anesthetic on animals either. Okay. And so even if the students were told that this dog was on anesthetic, their bodies knew that the dog was paralyzed and feeling everything. Because our bodies, again, our bodies pick up everything that's going on in our environment. They're very, very attuned. If, um, if we haven't dissociated completely, we would immediately feel the evil that we are participating in. There's no doubt about that. And this particular medical doctor felt it immediately and said, do I have to participate in this shit? I'm not going to be a surgeon. Why do I need to do this? And he was told, you will do this or you will not get through medical school. Wow. All right. I have other stories. I could tell you many stories. I would encourage you to read my book, Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Medicine, A Dark Side of Modern Medicine. They use dogs because... Our nature, we know that dogs are the most loving animals on the planet. And mankind would never, if, it, if we were connected to our soul, be able to harm a dog or any living thing that was as kind as a dog. Yeah, there is a particular affinity that humans certainly have for dogs, dogs being a man's best friend and all that. And so they choose dogs because they know that. They know that this will be the, the most violent thing for a human to do. Just like if you're born into a Luciferian cult, they don't let you bond with your mother, right? They have you bond with a dog and then they have you kill the dog. All right, it's all done to create dissociation and to have the core personality break down so that alter personalities can be created. And in the case of the medical profession, there are people, many people, who have an alter personality. These people become surgeons, right? These people become circumcisers. Anybody that's connected to their soul could not circumcise an infant without anesthetic especially. 96% of circumcisions in the U.S. take place without any anesthesia whatsoever. And these doctors are so sadistic, some of them get erections, they get off on it. They have ejaculations while they're circumcising infants who are being tortured and screaming. So we're talking about extreme psychosis, extreme deprivation, and extreme evil that is systemic to the medical system because the medical system has been taken over by Luciferian Jews. The issue of circumcision brings us onto that because I've always wondered about circumcision. I was brought up assuming that it was done for health reasons I mean that that's what we were told in school in Ireland growing up it, it was a very rare thing but I know it's common practice in the US and I know for example that, that Jews that all the boys are circumcised or the vast majority of them certainly and it's very very common throughout the world and 
every time the mainstream media will talk about female circumcision and female genital mutilation they'll talk about places like Africa and how it's this absolutely heinous crime which I totally agree with it is to me a heinous crime and I don't think it's anything that can be justified in any sense yet the issue of circumcision for boys is never ever painted in the same light why is that Janice? Well let me let me correct you first to say that 80% of the world's men are intact infant circumcision happens really only in the United States and Israel. Okay. Well, uh, to me, 20% would still be a a very, very high rate. 80% are intact, meaning they have not been cut. Yeah. They are the way the Creator designed them. It is only 20% of men on our planet who are circumcised, and a proportion of that is from countries like Africa, in Muslim countries, where they do it later in life. Even Muslims do not torture infants. Mm. Only the Jews do that. And now the stupid goyim who have been influenced by the Jews in the United States. So circumcision is not common. It is rare, and it is especially rare in infancy. And we need to look to the cult that is responsible for this torture and start pointing fingers at that cult and say, you know what? You need to stop. Not only are they doing that, they're sucking the blood off of the mutilated penises. Yeah. This is a holy satanic ritual. Right? Babies in New York, where there's a huge Jewish population, Many babies have gotten herpes from the from the rabbi from the moil, who has who has herpes and passes it on through his saliva. Infants have died. Infants have gotten brain damage from the rabbis who knowingly suck on the penises after they cut them. They know they have herpes and they do it anyway. All right, they're insane. This is an insane cult with a very long history of human sacrifice, especially of non-Jewish children. And the deeper you go into this territory, the darker it gets. The Jews have been kicked out of 84 countries for a total of 109 times because some countries they've been kicked out more than once because of what they do. And because children end up going missing, later being found with uh, so many holes in their body, you know, holes that are designed in the same pattern as the tree of life from that Kabbalah, and their blood was drained. It is extremely dark. I can't tell you how dark, because it's terrifying. But this is why we're terrified, and we don't understand why we're terrified. And it helps to begin to understand why we're terrified to speak of this, because we're talking about uh, an extreme bloodline of evil, extreme evil, that is not of this world. So I think that's a good place to start then in our discovery of that. So where does this originate? Um, Not of this world. So what world does it come from? And... 
what are the aims and the desires of this cult and why are they here? What is it that they're looking for? Let me say, please forgive me for the pain that this causes because I hate to bring pain to people. But I sense that it's causing us more pain not to know this. So we have to know. Mm-hmm. And to, to try to make it very simple, if we understand the story about the battle between um, the real creator, the creator of love, and the fallen angel, who I'll call God's adversary. Some call him Lucifer or Satan or whatever name you want to give him. All right, there was a battle that took place in heaven or wherever, okay? And um, the battle was because this entity did not want to be an underling to the Creator and felt that he was on par with the Creator. And he had a group that thought the same thing that they didn't want to be underlings to the Creator, that they wanted to be gods themselves and to be recognized as God themselves. And so this is the group we are talking about. And is this the group then that started Judaism as we now know it? Correct. Okay, so... You can can look up... um, Look up, you can look up on my blog, which is birthofanewearth.blogspot.com. If you type in the interview with Howard Rosenthal, all right, there are some Jews that have come right out and said, our God is Lucifer. What he said precisely was, some Jews don't want to admit this, but our God is Lucifer and we are his chosen people. And do you think this is something that is then common knowledge I mean do no. all do all Jews know this or is this something that for example no. the, the upper structures or the higher echelons within their control system kind of keep the knowledge to themselves and then just use trauma based mind control or whatever other methods that they use to keep the population to keep their population as they see it under a veil yes correct what you just said um, most people don't know it not even the Jewish people themselves uh, understand much of what I'm sharing. Many of them don't know about it. Um, however, if they begin to analyze the God that they're worshiping, so for example, this God does require his followers to cut off the foreskin of their infants to create a covenant with him. Okay, so that's where the circumcision comes from, is it? From, from the actual teachings from that deity that they're worshipping, yes, that entity. I won't call him a deity because he's an entity, he's a demon, and um, his followers are demonic as well, and they do demonic things like sexually torture and generally generally mutilate their children. Okay, let me, you know, 50,000 chickens were sacrificed in New York City last September by this cult. Yeah, there's something I, I remember was reported on mainstream news outlets. And I remember thinking, what is that all about? And kind of forgot about it then. 
but I mean, that's not an insignificant thing to happen. Why would something like that happen? Well, they think that if they wave the chickens over their heads, that they can put all their evil deeds into the chickens and have a healthy life. Wow. Okay, they, the, this cult is deeply into human sacrifice and animal sacrifice. I mean, what is kosher? Kosher is the torture and mutilation and the draining of the blood of an animal, mm. making sure that you torture that animal so that the blood is adrenalized to get people addicted to the adrenalized blood. It's a satanic cult. There's no doubt about this. All you have to do is type in a Google search, um, Jewish ritual murder or the history of Jewish human sacrifice. Do it and open, open to understanding what has been going on on our planet for the last 5,000 years since these intruders into our solar system who are not part of organic creation, who do not belong here, Okay, who all they are programmed to do is destroy life, destroy God's creations. All right, since their arrival, they have brought nothing but harm to our people and to our planet and to all living things. They do not belong here. And they have no legitimate right to be here even they need to be where the adversary whatever dimension that entity wants to create his space in let them go there and let them mess with each other but they do not have a place here this is why the jews don't have a place on this planet they don't they do not they never will. That's quite interesting, actually, because depending on who you listen to, the, I suppose, the spiritual homeland of Jews could be anywhere on the planet. There are so many different places. It's not necessarily the state of Israel as we now know it. Some people say that it's somewhere in Ireland or Scotland or the UK, that kind of region. Other people say it's as, as far as the deepest and most east parts of Russia. And there are so many places around the globe. Some people say that it's in the US. Um, I just find it interesting that there's no kind of common consensus on this at all. And perhaps that ties into exactly what you're speaking about there. Because it doesn't exist. It does not exist. <laughs> there is no place. Everywhere they go, they get kicked out. Literally. They cannot, everywhere they go, they steal the wealth of the nation. They break down the culture, right? They attack the culture, and they especially attack it through sexual perversions of all kinds. This is why pornography is so extensive in the United States right now. All right, they move also into positions of power in the technological world because the technological world is the Luciferian world. The technological world has been superimposed over the real world, over the genuine beauty and goodness of the creator's design. In comes all of this, you know, toxic, pavements and poisons and buildings, you know, that smother the earth. It's like a, this whole technological world is a cancer 
on the earth and it's cancerous to us. We're dying in huge numbers and extremely sick and our children are extremely sick. And it's designed the technological world to trap us in the Luciferian matrix. All of it, every piece of it is a trap. Okay, we spend our lives, like we live in these boxes that we call houses, right? And because we live in these artificial environments that are temperature controlled through heat or air conditioning, we've now lost our ability to regulate our own body temperature like every other animal on our, on our planet can do, right? We can't. We're the only animal that will die if it gets cold from the cold. That's really interesting. And humans can do it. I mean, there are people out there who have demonstrated that it is possible for humans to do just that. It appears to be a skill or an ability that we have lost over time. In the same way that their alphabet languages, okay, this is sigil magic. It's black magic. All of the symbols of the alphabet and the numbers are sigils, okay? And they, they contain... Um, a way to call forth demons, a sigil being any, um, yes, it's a combination of, it's not always like a combination of letters or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Everything, even like the Toyota symbol or the, um, what's that Baphomet symbol on the Dodge Ram, right? Anyway, all these letters (laughs) are sigils. And when we teach our children to engage in alphabet languages and in speech of these alphabet languages, we are blocking their ability, their telepathic abilities. Okay, we have the capacity at birth, if we've not been severely traumatized from conception on, we would have the capacity to be totally telepathic, to communicate not only with other people, um, but to communicate with all life forms. And there could never be anybody uh, that lies because we know we would know everything that people are thinking and feeling. And children generally do know this. They know there's often a contradiction in the sounds and words that are coming out of the adults <laughs> and what they're seeing happening. Mm. They, know, they know the adults are lying. They know the adults are under mind control. We can sense this at a very young age, that there's something super wrong with the people in our world. But we do this to our children unknowingly, even mathematics. Let me give you another example. There's an amazing set of books called the Ringing Cedars books. Ringing like a bell and cedars like the trees. RingingCedars.com Would you believe I'm halfway through the second book as we speak. Some people refer to it as the Anastasia series, I think. Yeah, amazing. Get these books. There's a scene in these books where Anastasia's child, now remember, Anastasia and Vladimir conceived their child in a very conscious way. There, there was no carnality involved in them bringing their bodies together. The bodies were um, carrying out the desire of their hearts and their minds to create life. Mm. 
okay? So this child is conceived properly, gestated without trauma, and birthed in the natural world and raised in the natural world. He's not living in a house, okay? They're not. They're totally outside of the matrix. So now this kid is five or somewhere between five and ten, and his father, who is brought up in our Luciferian world, brings him... um, a calculator to show him the brilliance of the technological world, (laughs) the many gifts of our technological world. So on the calculator, his father types in a six-digit number by a six-digit number. And the child, Volodia, spits out the answer before the calculator. And his father says, how did you do that? How could you know what the what the amount is. And he says something very interesting. He said, well, those numbers are very boring. Those numbers you're talking about on your calculator only exist in a dead universe. In a living universe, numbers become much more interesting. So now his father's intrigued and confused because he doesn't know what the kid means. What the kid means is basically when you take a woman, that's one, and a man, that's two, and they love each other and want to create life, and they bring their bodies together, then you have one plus one equals three, or four, or five, or six, or seven, or however many children are created by this couple. When you plant, this is the living universe. This is living math. This is God's math. Okay, when you take one tomato seed and you put it in the soil, it will grow into a tomato plant with dozens of tomatoes that each one contains dozens more tomato seeds that can turn into more tomatoes. So this is the mathematics of creation the mathematics of a living universe, which we are conditioned to uh, be blind to, to not even see or notice it, because we are being trained in the box of Luciferian mathematics, which says one plus one equals two, and that's it. Yeah. And that's not it. This is also the box that keeps us in a limited thought pattern of how to generate uh, what we need in our world. And, you know, we think of money as something that we need. And we think that we have to trade our energy and our time doing something we don't want to do to generate money. When, in fact, if we understood the real creator and made a connection with that force of love and generosity and overwhelming goodness, then things would just come to us seriously because we have aligned with that energy and we would not need to sell our souls to the Luciferians to generate sustenance. Of course, it would also require that we become familiar with the, with the, the creator's design. So begin to put our hands to the soil again. Begin to generate our food. Because the food that we grow ourselves is very different than the food that is grown for money. And the qualities of the food 
and the properties of the food are totally different. And the information that that food conveys is totally different when we grow it in our space for ourselves and our families. And in fact, one of the things recommended in the Ringing Cedars books is that you put seeds under your tongue before you plant them and walk on the earth with your bare feet where you're going to plant them so you can communicate to the seeds and the earth what's going on in your body. Your saliva has information about what's going on and what's coming out of your feet will convey information to the earth about what's going on in your body. And the food that is grown there, if you do this, will be specific to the well-being of your body. Am I making sense? You see, the thing is, you are making complete sense to me. Um, If we are energetic beings and if we are mere frequencies, well, it stands to reason then that if we have a positive intent and if we are able to transmit information, be it through DNA or any other kind of uh, method, to the ground and to the food that we grow, well, then, of course, because food is a living thing as well and is also operating on a frequency, well, then it stands to reason that there will be some kind of energetic harmony between the two. So what you're saying makes complete sense to me. There will be people, though, who are kind of shouting at the radios. It's a term I use a lot on this show. And they'll be saying, Jenny's, what are you talking about? Food is just food. It gives us energy throughout the day. And... That's all there is to it. This has to be complete nonsense. And it's so far outside of my paradigm that I just can't accept it. What would you say to somebody who might have that mindset at the moment as they're listening? Well, I would say I encourage you to grow some food and to taste it. Number one, taste the difference between your own tomato and one you purchase at the store that's been grown for money and that doesn't have any connection to you or your body or your space. And I would say, consider this, water in its pristine condition is very much alive and water has memory. Mm -hmm. And the more research you do on water, the more you'll find that we need living water in order to regenerate our cells. But we've been drinking dead water. So as soon as we buy a bottle of water that's in plastic, for example, and they put the, the, the cap on it and cut off the oxygen, the water is dead. And we drink that water. Not only is it dead. Oh, my goodness. I have gardeners here right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a kind of a synchronicity, if you like. They, you know, the dark forces really don't want people to have this information. Um So what I want to say about water is that if we don't have living water, our cells can't regenerate themselves. And living water also contains, like the food that we grow, the intelligence of the creator. If we are seeking to develop a relationship with the real creator, I'm not talking about the Luciferian imposter God. Okay, I'm talking about the real creator who has designed exquisite beauty and goodness and bounty and abundance for every life, every living thing from the very beginning. It's all been here. All right. If we seek to develop an understanding and a connection with this loving force, all right, then certainly the intelligence of this loving force is going to be in the food 
and in the living water that has not been poisoned by the dark forces. So for me, I, I, you know, I put a lot of energy into this because I travel to a spring to get my water in glass bottles. I fill, you know, I fill glass bottles and put them, uh, I have to sterilize them at least once a month. So I go through a very arduous process to get living water and to keep it in a vessel. I have an egg-shaped clay vessel that I keep it in uh, that has some implosion technology in there to restructure the water, to give the water, you know, regenerate the life of the water in case it's been harmed in any way. Um, so you're making your own hexagonal water in a sense. Yeah, I bought this thing through a website called implosionresearch.com. It's an egg-shaped clay water vessel. And uh, apparently the shape of the egg keeps the water in motion. And then they put this technology in the, in the vessel also that keeps the water uh, alive. And it's a couple hundred bucks. It was $300. I've had it for a number of years. And um, see, I think this kind of thing is important. And people may think I'm woo-woo. Um, but I, I know that I'm not because I could not know the things that I know uh, without changing up on what I'm drinking and what I'm eating and um, how I live my life and doing the healing necessary for me to get rid of the trauma and begin to see. It's like the veils have been lifted for me and I see things that most people cannot. I mean, for Christ's sake, we have people that don't see the chemtrails. How is that possible? Because they're under hypnosis. They're under mind control hypnosis. And they really don't see them. (laughs) And that's, you know, something we have to recognize. Yeah, that's a very interesting observation. And some people speak about the Magellan effect, which is that something is so far outside of the paradigm of a particular individual that they physically are not able to interact on a visual or an audio level or whatever it might be on on one of the five senses, the accepted five senses, and they can't see it or they can't hear it, even though there might be 20 other people in the room who can physically see or physically hear. And that's something that people might like to have a look at themselves and explore online and do some research on. It's, It's an absolutely fascinating thing and it is a documented phenomenon. Well, yeah, I mean, how is it possible that we could have not seen that circumcision is ritual torture and genital mutilation. How is it possible? I ask myself that the whole time. It absolutely baffles me and it has baffled me from at a very young age. Silly little anecdote perhaps, but I remember in school, I would have been no more than five or six years of age. It was the first uh, primary school I was in. Primary school, it's called in Ireland. So five or six years of age. And it was the first time I ever knew there was such a thing as circumcision we few of us were going to the toilet and as lads do they line up side by side in the urinal and anyway it was the first time i ever saw somebody with a circumcised penis and even then i remember sensing that something was wrong there that just did not sit well with me even at that age so i can relate to what you're saying yeah i mean the younger the that we are Right, the less mind control we've been exposed to, the more likely we are to be able to sense that something is very wrong. Our bodies are amazing organisms in terms of their ability to know 
when we are dealing with a form of evil, we will feel it. Um, and if we can pay attention to our feelings, which we're conditioned not to, uh, if we pay attention to our feelings, uh, we can learn more in a millisecond from what we're feeling than weeks and months of trying to analyze it and think about it, literally. So we have to pay attention to our bodies because they are a way for our soul to communicate directly to us about what's going on and what we're really dealing with. So they're very, very important. I want to say a few things about circumcision if you're up to it, because um, what you just expressed with the uh, circumcised penis and the fact that the glands of the penis is exposed 24-7 means that the glands has become calloused. What does that mean, Jenny's? What is a callus? A callus is a hardening of the outer layer of the skin. Now, the glands of an intact man is very moist and exquisitely sensitive. And it's like a pinkish color. Okay, when you pull back the foreskin and you look at the the glands of an intact man, you'll see the moisture, you'll see the pinkish color, and of course, you'll sense the exquisite sensitivity of that gland. Yeah. But men who have been circumcised because, let me say this, the, the glands is like a tongue, all right? It's designed to be an internal organ. It's designed to be covered by the foreskin to protect it. If you cut your mouth off and your tongue was hanging out 24-7, it will become rough and calloused in order to deal with the elements that it's unnaturally being exposed to. Yeah, sure. And you would lose the ability to taste in the same way that you can taste when your tongue is covered by your mouth for your whole life. <laughs> yeah. uh, or your eyeball, you know. I mean, these are things that are intended to be internal. Um, and the glands is like that. But because the glands is exposed, and it's exposed to very harsh things like dungarees and zippers and, you know, things that the glands should never, ever have to touch, all right, it becomes calloused. It becomes hardened. And circumcised men require more and rougher stimulation to reach orgasm the older they get. Because of this callousing, what they call keratinization of the glands because of circumcision. So we have a serious problem in the U.S., for example, with adult men circumcised becoming impotent or experiencing erectile dysfunction at younger and younger ages. Of course, pornography is also an influence But as I said during my talk, it's pretty rare that you're going to find a circumcised man in a porn film. And it's pretty rare that you'll find circumcised men even interested in porn. I mean, uncircumcised, intact. It's the circumcised men who are moving toward the perversions because they've been introduced to the world through the most extreme sexual perversion imaginable. And because they were 
violated in the most violent way. And hence we have countries like Norway where the overwhelming majority of violent criminals are circumcised. Even though Norway has only 2% of their population who were circumcised. Wow, that's very, very interesting. That's certainly something I didn't know. Well, that's true. And there's research. You ever hear Ted Bundy, the mass murderer? Yeah. Yeah, so he was talking about the connection between uh, um, the, the extreme sexual violence that he inflicted on his victims and his use of pornography. What they didn't look at is whether he was circumcised. Because in the United States, we're afraid to touch this topic. Yeah. But other countries have done the research, and it's clear that circumcised men are, are the ones, overwhelmingly, that are involved in these extreme sexual perversions. If you ever watch a video of a circumcision, you'll understand why. Because you'll see what's being done to the babies. And you'll see that it's, um, it's evil. It's horrific. These children who in the United States are strapped to torture boards called circumstraints. Their arms are strapped and their legs are strapped. So the only thing they can do while they're being tortured is move their head back and forth. And sometimes they shove a pacifier in the baby's mouth so the baby is like choking on his screams. With, or in the Jewish tradition, they shove a uh, like a napkin or a handkerchief with wine on it or sugar or some bullshit like that to make the baby choke on his screams. Um, and in the U.S., they, they cover the baby with a, uh, a sheet that has a hole in it where the penis is and somebody gets the baby erect to make the penis easier to work with. And then the doctor takes his instruments and um, clamps the penis. He inserts a sharp instrument between the glands and the foreskin because the foreskin is adhered to the glands when boys are young. So they, they shove this thing into the baby's penis and you're going to hear it when you, if you watch a video. Well, I'm squirming just listening to you talking they're, about they're, it here. They're all over YouTube. You'll hear screams from a child, the likes of which you will never hear from anywhere else. Any, you will never hear anything like it in your life. And they, um, well, in the Jewish tradition, they separate it sometimes with their fingernails. So they'll rip it. They'll rip the foreskin off of the glands and then they cut it off and in medical school a, a doctor who's training medical students will slow the process down very sadistically to demonstrate step by step every agonizing thing that they're doing to the babies and in many cases there'll be another baby in the room, who's up next. So we have, extremely clearly, conditions of trauma-based mind control and pure evil in the medical system 
and in the Jewish tradition where people are standing around chanting, wearing all of this sadistic garb. If you know what the Teflon is, they wrap this black strap up their arm. looks like a sadomasochistic uh, torture device that the baby, of course, is going to see as they're cutting him with everybody chanting their satanic chants. And then somebody sucking the blood off the penis. This is a blood-drinking cult. And is this just for ritualistic purposes, to go back to Judaism? Is it just because it's written in this book, this is why it's done? Or is is there an energetic quality to it? Is this for the purposes of harvesting some kind of energy? Or why is this done? I just can't wrap my head around it. Well, in my book, I talk about Moses, who came from a bloodline of sorcerers. And he's the one, you know, who uh, (laughs) brought these gifts of Judaism. Uh, We know that circumcision was first being used to mark people as slaves. Okay. And because of the trauma, it does cause dissociation. Dissociation being, well, it's a multiple faceted thing. So dissociation means your soul is the part of you that's feeling everything. And the soul has to leave the body when it's being tortured. And it does. This is called dissociation. And once that soul leaves, an alter personality can be called in. And this is what they're shooting for is the creation of an alter personality that will grow up to be in service to the dark side. So these kids will be overwhelmingly the ones joining the military, becoming cops, um, you know, being inducted into Luciferian cults and working for the dark side. And the other piece of this is when an animal in the wild is when its life is in danger, if it can't flee, and if it can't fight, it will freeze. And this is the same thing that babies do. Okay, if they can't fight or flee, which they can't when they're strapped to a torture board and being held by adults forcefully, they freeze, which means they go into what's called parasympathetic shock. It's like a temporary paralysis. So suddenly you may hear the baby's screams stop and you'll see the baby's eyes glaze over, his heart rate will slow down. All systems have basically gone into survival mode, into a temporary state of paralysis. And with circumcised men, you see this pattern of parasympathetic shock occur again and again. So, for example, if a circumcised man walks into a hospital with his wife to give birth to their child, very often as soon as he gets into the hospital, he will go into parasympathetic shock, which means he'll be in freeze mode. He won't be able to defend or protect his partner or his baby because his system 
has a memory of what was necessary to survive and he, that will automatically happen when he needs to survive again, when he feels a threat to his survival. So we have a case of parasympathetic shock happening again and again with circumcised men. And this is um, an issue for family breakdown because if men cannot, for whatever reason, stand up to protect their partners and their children, their partners will never trust them or feel safe with them and will lose respect for them. And the bond will begin to break down as soon as their child is being born, at the very time when the bond is supposed to be solidified. The father presumably plays a very important role during birth. And if a father is not in a position to play any role during birth, it stands to reason, based on the research that you've done, that that will also have a negative effect on the child. Yes, the child will understand that its father is incapable of protecting him or her. And, of course, any circumcised child will know that its parents are capable of great evil. And um, well, they, that child will not be able to bond. You know, most of us don't know what it means to bond with our parents because we've been born in hospitals and because they've done everything they can to break the link, to break the bonds. Um, and so when I speak of a, a true bond between a parent and a child, how that would look is something I've only seen in pictures of a home birth and in families that have done home birth. And I have seen uh, a friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, she's in her 50s now, and she circumcised her son, of course, because that's just what people did. They never asked any questions and they never had any doubts about the goodness (laughs) of the medical system, so they just trusted. Yeah. All right, but when this woman found out what they had done to her baby, when he was a baby, I mean, she collapsed to the ground and sobbed and said, oh, my God, my poor baby. Her poor baby now being in his 20s or 30s. But the grief indicated to me that this woman had bonded with her son in a way that many mothers do not. So you have mothers today, once they've been told about the harm of circumcision, like my own mother, who will turn around and say, I'd do the same thing again. I did what I thought was right. So there's no way that this mother, who feels no regret for the harm that was caused to her children, There's no way that that mother was able to bond with her children. That's not a normal response for any mother. And yet we have millions of them in America. And we have other women. This is the hardest part for me to get. In my own family, okay, saying things to me like, 
I believe in circumcision. I'm like, well, what is it, a, a god that you believe in it? What do you believe yeah. in it? It's the most ridiculous, outrageous, mentally retarded, and I mean no offense to retarded people, but it's an indication of mental mutancy to not be willing to look into this well, and to look into the God that commands it, to look into the God that tells you to, to sacrifice your firstborn children to him. What is the argument for a circumcision? I can't understand that. I mean, I do understand that people have blind religious faith and that has gone down all through the ages in all creeds and all kinds of religion. But to do something as extreme as mutilate a baby, presumably the people who do it are the, the parents who think it's a good thing. They must have something beyond just a religious faith. They must be sold some kind of a story that says, right, well, here's why physically you should do it. Because I do know there was a, a line of thought in Ireland going back a number of decades that it was on hygiene grounds. And that's why circumcision was a good thing. And that seems to have disappeared now. And I don't know a huge amount about it. That's anecdotal. There must be some kind of a story that people are sold. I just cannot get my head around it. Well, yeah, they have been being sold a story. Um, the way it went down, basically, is that um, the Jewish cult took over the medical system in the United States, including taking over all the medical journals. And then they published all this nonsense. I have an 80-page chapter in my book on this topic uh, of all these lies about the benefits of circumcision, which apparently uh, prevented penile cancer, cervical cancer, stopped masturbation, prevented all manner of diseases. And um, this is... Today they say that it prevents sexually transmitted diseases and prevents HIV. Just the opposite is true when you look at the research and the data. When you remove the foreskin, which is a protective gland, okay, and the glands is exposed, it's very easy for that glands to get a cut or a tear in it through which viruses and bacteria move. And so circumcised men have a higher rate of sexually transmitted diseases and HIV, and so do their partners because they're passing on the diseases to their partners. So it, basically we're dealing with a cult that is masterful at Luciferian reversal. So the opposite of what they say is true. And you can find this across the board. They have made themselves out to be victims when in fact they are responsible for the murder of 66 plus million Russian Christians during the Jewish Bolshevik Revolution. They are responsible for the death of millions of German people during World War II. They have genocided the Palestinian people. They've created three genocides that I'm aware of in just one century. And yet they go around claiming to be victims. Everything they do is a lie. I'm telling you, it's a Luciferian reversal, including the lies that people have been fed about the benefits of circumcision. In fact, just the suggestion, okay, that the creator made the penis in a defective way and that mankind can come in and cut a piece of it off and make it better 
It is a satanic suggestion. Because it implies that the creator is not God. It implies that the creator has made a mistake. And that somehow mankind, who only uses one-fifth of their brain potential and most of whose dormant is DNA, yes, we can make it better in our mutant state. Sorry, the gardeners are coming around again. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We can forgive them. Because the sound is probably... um, can be very triggering also to people that have gone through this torture. I want to alert people to how this can show up in their world when we're processing through trauma. These sounds of butchery in the natural environment, they call themselves gardeners. These people are butchers. They don't nurture the earth, they butcher it. And this is probably all circumcised men out there doing the butchering. Well, I think the sound is pretty much gone now in the background, yeah. so we're, yeah, we're good to go up, as well. It comes up when we're talking about circumcision, so something to notice. I do notice these things because <laughs> uh, I'm familiar with how trauma affects the body and how sound can influence it also as we're, we're processing through healing the trauma. We may become very sensitive to these technological um, sound assaults. They are assaults on our nervous system. So um, what I also want to say about the foreskin, because this is a very important topic, is that it is designed in such a way that when it meets with the vaginal wall, it triggers the male brain to release neurochemicals of love and bonding. And when you cut that off, you're affecting that man's ability to experience love in the way that the Creator designed him to experience love. And this, of course, will not only affect him, but also his partner and his children, and any sexual partners he may have. Because again, he may be dissociative during sex. He may become addicted to pornography, which is an even larger expression of dissociative sex, All right, where the spirit leaves the body. And an altar comes in that is somewhat demonic and is having sex with the demons that are being programmed into the pornography, as I talked about during my talk. If anybody's interested in getting a copy of my two-and-a-half-hour DVD on sexuality and pornography and the attack on love, please go to my website and contact me. And people should really have this information about how they're programming, they're doing rituals, (laughs) you know, on the set of the porn pornography industry to put demons into the porn demons that will affect the lives of the people who watch it so this is coming into people's bedrooms along with the circumcision wound and trauma and so what do we think is happening when a man is like visualizing an incubus as he's having sex with his wife and they create a child not that they were trying to create the child they were just trying to get off But this whole pornographic uh, demonism is involved in the conception. Well, I think it ties in then as well to water memory, which you referenced earlier. There are numerous studies done 
be it peer-reviewed or otherwise, to show that water does retain a memory and that water has a vibrational level and reacts to the vibrations around it. For example, some of the experiments with water freezing when a particular type of thought, such as love, is, is, is projected towards that water as it freezes a certain type of pattern will show up and a more destructive thought such as hate will show a more destructive pattern with regard to the structure of the water. Well then, it makes sense to me that at conception, when you have a living being being created, well the effect would be the same or even magnified. If it has that effect on water, why wouldn't it on an actual living person? Well, yes. I mean, that's exactly how we need to begin thinking which is with clarity and heart and looking at the world as it really exists around us <laughs> and understand, of course, the consciousness of the parents is affecting the child. Mm. It's also affecting, I mean, if you're conceived through pornography, let's say you are, your parents were watching pornography okay. when they conceived you. The chances of you becoming a teenager and understanding love are nil. You don't have any imprint for love. Your imprint is for carnality and demonism, because that's what pornography is. It's demonism. It's a Luciferian weapon designed to get us to turn our life-creating potential into a Luciferian expression. And, and when we do this, then we have other Luciferian things going on like abortion, like human sacrifice of our own children. So one piece leads to the next piece, and each piece is satanic at its core. And you better believe that any child that is brought in through this kind of influence is going to have an extremely difficult time uh, manifesting authentic and enduring love because there's no body memory uh, for it. On the contrary, the memories in this person's cells are of lust, demonism, carnality, and parents who don't really want them. And this is all... You know, I mean, the Luciferian forces are cheering, going right on. Look how many people are doing this. Look how many people have fallen for this and are now giving birth to children according to the Luciferian order and birthing them into the Luciferian matrix through hospital birth. Now, I know there will be people who, with regard to hospital birth, are all in favour of it. And they'll say, well, I had a great time with my hospital birth. Everything went really well. I was able to avoid the pain because I was able to get this injection and that injection. And the baby was induced, which was a good thing because it meant that it came at just the right time. And that hospitals are great for births for the simple reason that there are far less deaths during birth. What would you say to all of that? First, I would say the United States has one of the highest infant and maternal mortality rates in the world. And that is precisely because of technological interference in the birth process. U.S. hospitals are killing babies and mothers in large numbers. Number two, induction 
is a medically induced premature birth. It is a way to force the baby out of the womb before it is ready to be born. In a natural birth, a baby signals the mother's body when it's ready, and the mother will begin producing the neurochemicals and hormones of birth. When the medical sadists come in and take over that child's birth, they are exercising dominion over that child's destiny. And they are imprinting into the psyche of that child a very strong message. And that message is, you have no control over your life. We will be controlling you, your entire life. And it starts now. We will be the ones to determine when you are born. And we will force you out of the womb with drugs that are incredibly harmful and cause immense pain to the baby and the mother. Except the mother, see, she's lucky. She gets to have a drug called like an epidural yeah. where she won't feel anything. All right, But the baby will be feeling everything. Yeah, it's and funny. I've often wondered at the fact that babies generally cry when they come into the world and I assumed that that's all because the shock of the air, the shock of being born, but should being born be a shock? Should it not be a good thing? Should it not be a glorious thing? Should it not be something to celebrate? Now, I mean, maybe I'm just going off on a ridiculous tangent here, but just you've got me thinking as you speak. On my website, I have a beautiful um, <clears throat> a beautiful page. about. It's a pictorial display of the difference between hospital birth and home birth. And clearly you could see that home birth babies are not crying. Okay, that's interesting. All right, hospital birth babies are being tortured and terrorized, and they are, and you can hear it in their screams. It is not normal for a baby to come out screaming. That's not normal. We think it's normal, but that's not normal. Let me let me let me take this step by step and try to do it quickly. Okay, induction is. They chose that word for a reason because what's an induction? It's an initiation into a Luciferian cult, isn't it? Babies are, init- are inducted. I mean, children, <laughs> men are inducted into the military. Men are inducted into the police academy. Yeah. They call graduation from high school with their Saturn caps and their black gowns. Mm-hmm. Right? That's an induction. Inductions are an initiation into a satanic order. And that's why they chose that word, birth induction, because babies are being initiated through the induction and be having, having these thoughts impressed into their psyche about the power of the Luciferian world to control their lives. The drugs that are given, one of them is called Pitocin. In the UK, I think it's called Synctocin or something. This is synthetic oxytocin. And when a mother uh, has synthetic oxytocin in her body, her body will be much less able to produce the real thing. Now, the real thing is necessary for that mother and child to bond. It's necessary for the letdown of breast milk 
and for the mother to be able to breastfeed successfully. It's necessary for the energy of love, for the neurobiology of love to happen at birth. And it's not going to happen because they put that drug in the mother's body. All right, the chances of that mother and baby bonding properly once the baby's been induced are slim to none. And because the mother's body is not flooded with oxytocin, the baby's oxytocin receptor sites are damaged for life. Unless that baby can find a way to heal from the trauma of that birth and the drugs that the mother was given, this kid is going to have a very hard time experiencing love in the way the Creator designed us to experience love. They're also, during an induction, going to do something called an amniotomy or the breaking of the waters. The baby is in a watery sac. Mm Mm-hmm. And that watery sac is padding. It's protection from the intensity of contractions. And they break it so that the baby will feel everything more intensely. Now, the synthetic oxytocin that they've, in, they've injected into the mother's bloodstream is going to cause contractions that are off the charts painful over-the-top, unbelievable, unrelenting, non-stop pain. This is not normal. In a natural birth, a contraction will build, it will peak for about 20 seconds, it will ease off, and the body will rest. And then another one will come, it will build, it will peak for 20 seconds, ease off, and rest. All right, that is impossible when a woman is given Pitocin because the contractions are coming like a steam train. One on top of another, on top of another, no rest. And they are intense, and the uterus has now become a trash compactor instead of a birth portal. The uterus is smashing that baby instead of easing, you know, trying to help push the baby through it crushes the baby and creates fetal distress now they know that this drug creates fetal distress and this is why they insist on a fetal heart monitor which will will create even further fetal distress especially when they screw that thing into the baby's head Okay, and the contractions are coming one on top of another. Now this metal probe that's screwed into the baby's head is going to be pulling and tugging at the baby's head in addition to the uterus, um, you know, totally just terrorizing the baby because of the intense contractions and the ultrasound frequencies, which to the baby, it sounds like um, you're in a subway station and the trains are rolling in. It's very loud to the baby. We can't hear it, but babies can hear it very loudly. I've heard like a two-year-old being interviewed, and she was talking about how there was very, very loud thunder, and she was trying to get away from the thunder, and it just was getting louder and louder, and she couldn't get away from it. And then she was born, 
and the thunder went away. Wow. She's talking about the frequencies of the ultrasound that are being blasted at these babies the entire labor. Okay, so now we've got the amniotomy, the fetal heart monitor, the induction, the pitocin, the intense contractions, mom's going to scream for her epidural or some other form of pain relief. So let's talk about the epidural because in a natural birth, when the mother experiences discomfort, her body will begin to produce natural opiates, endorphins, all the hormones and chemicals that will create a sense of well-being. All right, with the epidural, the epidural tricks the brain, you see. It says, hey, there's nothing going on here. There's no nothing at all. No need to produce those opiates and beta endorphins because there's nothing happening. But the baby needs those things, too, for the birth process to be tolerable for the baby. And the baby won't have them available because the mother's not producing them. And so even though the mother is not feeling any pain, her baby will be feeling more pain than it would during a natural birth. Okay, and then we have things like cord clamping. All right, now I haven't even talked about cesarean section where they're literally yanking, forcing these babies, pulling them out of the womb, surgically opening the mother's body and yanking these kids out of the womb so that they don't even have a chance to try to create the victory of birth. Their entire birth has been usurped. It has been stolen. The victory of birth has been stolen by these demonic forces. And so has the ability for these children to bond with their, with their mother because the mother's going to be drugged unconscious sometimes. She'll be strapped to the satanic altar of C-section birth. She can't move. She's drugged. She's cut. Her baby is pulled out of her. This is a satanic ritual, folks. It's exactly what they do during satanic rituals. And this is just another satanic ritual. And then they're going to take the baby and separate it from its mother. They're going to put um, eye ointment in the baby's eyes to prevent the baby from making eye contact with its parents. Because eye contact is a primary means for the activation of the neurobiology of love. Eye contact triggers the brain to release the neurochemicals of love and bonding. You see, they're going to block that by blocking the baby's ability to make eye contact. They're going to put a hat on the baby's head because there's pheromones coming off the baby's head and there's a smell, right? The olfactory system is very important also for the activation of the neurobiology of love. So they're going to block it with the hat and prevent the mother and father from smelling their baby and from sensing the pheromones coming off the baby's head. The pheromones being a means by which the mother and father can identify that, yes, this is my baby. And they're going to swaddle the baby to prevent skin-to-skin contact. Another very important method or means for the activation of the neurobiology of love. So they're going to wrap the baby 
in a blanket so tight. It's like a straitjacket, right? They're trying to traumatize the baby. Remember, everything they do is to deliberately traumatize the baby. So they're going to put the baby in a straitjacket to try to cause the baby to dissociate. And then they're going to hand this to the mother or the father, if the mother's unconscious, and say, here's your baby. All you can see is a dissociated baby, and all you can smell is the chemical blanket. It's been washed in toxic chemicals. You can't make eye contact with your baby because of the eye ointment. So bonding is completely cut. All right, and then they do very, very mean-spirited things like cut and clamp the cord and steal the baby's blood. Now, I mentioned many times already that we are dealing with a blood-drinking cult. And I'm quite certain that <coughs> this is why they are taking the blood for satanic ritual purposes. There is absolutely no benefit to clamping and cutting that cord immediately after birth. In fact, you should wait at least an hour and sometimes several hours before you cut that cord to make sure the baby has received all of its blood. But they don't want the baby to receive all of its blood because that blood goes for a lot of money. That cord blood is being sold on the internet for maximum amount of dollars along with the body parts of the babies that we choose to have murdered through abortion. And all of this is satanic, every bit of it. You can walk into a hospital, open their refrigerators, and find foreskins, cord blood, and placentas, all of which are being sold to the highest Luciferian bidder. Wow, so that's, is that actually a thing? They're selling this? Yes, they are. Amazing. Oh, yes, they are. I have so much information in my book with citations. I think I have like, I don't even remember, like 700 citations or something in my book that people can go and look at this information themselves. Okay, but if you know somebody that's going to have a baby or if you've had a baby in a hospital and you've not been able to bond with your children properly, Please get my book so that you can begin to understand what is at the root of the problem and bring it into the conscious mind so that the healing can begin. Is If we remain unconscious of the origins of the trauma, then we can't really heal it. We have to become, at, at the very least, understand what's at the root of why we can't bond with our children or why our children are... Um, you know, why are they autistic? Well, because you've exposed them to ultrasound, you've induced them, you've destroyed their oxytocin receptor sites through Pitocin, right? You've broken the, their ability to bond with people because you've never been able to, you, you know, the bond at birth is critical for people to have a cellular memory of what real love is, of what the Creator designed us to experience. But many people don't have that memory. 
We never bonded with our mother or father. We were separated and put in a nursery, sometimes for days, without being even held by anybody that loves us. Mm. Okay, this is critical for us to understand. Right? My mother was given a drug called scopolamine, which they use in MK Ultra mind control to make people acquiesce to anything they say and, and to also make people amnesic so they won't remember what was done to them. And people wonder how the control system manages to control so easily. Because it starts at birth. It starts at conception. It starts as soon as you turn that goddamn television on right now and believe what they're telling you because the media is also totally run and, and controlled by this Luciferian cult. Okay, it's packed with lies. It's packed with mind control. It's like you turn that knob and you say, mind control me and mind control my children while you're at it. Make sure you tell me what to think. Make sure you feed me lies. Make sure you tune me into the matrix. All right, it starts with the way we're being conditioned to have sex. And you cannot turn on the television without that sexual conditioning being fed to yourself and your kids. And now they're moving it into the schools. They're bringing pornography into the schools. And this is also in my talk on pornography. Again, go to my website at birthofanewearth.com and email me if you're interested to get the double DVD set. It's two and a half hours long. It's $20. It's an extremely important thing. You can also get my book on my website, Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine. You can get my talk from last year's Free Your Mind Conference if you email me. I recorded, I did the talk with uh, subtitles because they really screwed up the sound on the YouTube recording. People can't hear what I'm saying. Isn't that interesting? It's only mine that people can't hear. Everybody else's came out fine, which I find super interesting. So I had to put subtitles on mine. But anyway, this is the core of where the control system begins, is controlling us sexually and controlling us while we're in the womb and at birth. Conception, gestation, and birth are the bottom line with the control system. And if we want to break free and return our being to the source of love, that is the real creator. We have got to understand this, heal ourselves, help our children heal, help our families heal, and make a concerted effort to return ourselves to the natural order and to having a relationship with the real creator. That means turning your head from every religion, which are all controlled by Luciferian forces. It's not just Judaism. It's Christianity also. I'm sorry to say they're worshiping the same God that's super into human animal sacrifices, that tells his followers to uh, go and steal other people's land and take their women and children as booty and kill everything in sight, offer up their animals as sacrifices to him. He enjoys the scent of human blood. He allegedly had his, his own son ritually sacrificed, satanically sacrificed. 
Um, you know, folks, this is not the Creator. I'm sorry. And there's the Christians worshiping human sacrifice and going and drinking the blood and eating the body parts of a sacrificed man at, at their black mass every Sunday and not realizing that this is a satanic ritual. Now, this is mind control, folks, and it's heavy duty. It's coming at us from all angles, but it begins in very early life. And please forgive me for the bluntness with which I deliver this information, but I trust that this is the way that the Creator is guiding me to speak to help break the mind control down. Break it down. To those who are open to this kind of information and who are aware that there is a control system in place and that we are controlled from a very young age, or so we would have assumed up to now, a very young age, be it through school or um, the education system, the medical system, whatever it might be. Well, I don't see it as a stretch too far to look at the birth and what happens before birth. If I was part of the nefarious control system and I decided, right, I want to control the populace for whatever end. Why would I wait until there were three or four or five years of age if I had the means to actually affect it from conception or even prior to it? Why would I not try to perpetuate that cycle? It's not that far of a stretch to go to what you're saying. When people actually look at the information there and even to feel some of that information on an energetic level. Exactly. Yeah, please tune into your feelings also because, um, as I said, they provide a tremendous amount of information. Now, also take note if you're feeling shaky or maybe you may be feeling as if you just want to crawl out of your skin, that this is part of what happens as the mind control begins to break down. Well, I'll be honest. As yours, I found this very, very difficult. This has been the most difficult two hours of interview or conversation I've had on alchemy, and I felt a similar thing while you were speaking at Free Your Mind as well. Now, there was, there was a sense of empowerment as well, but it's been a very difficult two hours for me, and I'm sure regular listeners will probably have noticed that. I've noticed myself, my voice has changed throughout the interview, and I've just found it very, very difficult. And I can absolutely subscribe to what you've just said there now. You know, I really, really can. Yeah, so I just kind of want to alert people. And if you feel you need support, I do work with people through Skype to teach them um, the energy medicine system, the Japanese system that I know, so that they can help themselves. And all you need are your fingertips and an understanding of uh, how to put them on these points, in what order. And you can help yourself and return your nervous system to a place of calm. So again, you can contact me through my website or my email is Sparcello at yahoo.com. I'm going to hope that um, if you create a video or something out of this, you could put that under the video. Yeah, no uh, problem. We'll have it on the website as well. And let me say this. If you create a YouTube video, please don't put any uh, copyrighted music on it because right now, whenever I post a video, within five minutes, they're blocking it worldwide and um, banning it. And they can do that because there's music in it that's copyrighted. And so they're watching me very closely at this point, and they're, they're, they really do not want people to understand what I have just shared. And if we can avoid uh, the copyright issue, I think we'll be able to keep this information up longer. I've been blocked from posting on Vimeo they, and LiveLeak, and YouTube is blocking me within five minutes of my posting 
by banning my videos and muting them worldwide. So we've got some serious issues in terms of censorship. All of the YouTube, uh, all of the video upload channels are controlled at this time by the same Luciferian cult we've mentioned that controls the media, that controls pornography, that controls the common core curriculum and is bringing pornography into the classroom, that controls the United States government and governments worldwide, um, that controls the medical system. Again, we are dealing with a race. They are intruders and they do not belong here. And it is up to us to figure out a way to either make them go or find a way to make them um, transform into the genetics of pristine mankind. But that requires us to transform into it first because we are not in our pristine condition, not by any stretch. I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. And I'm wondering, are you hopeful for the future? Do you think that there are many people who are becoming A, aware of the information and then acting on the information? Or how do you feel about what lies ahead? I am extremely hopeful, number one, because I've read the Ringing Cedars books and I've glimpsed into the future Earth. And I know that it's coming. Hence the name of my website, Birth of a New Earth. Um, Number two, I see um, how many people are waking up, even to the extent of how many people are now becoming hip to the issue uh, with Judaism and its Luciferian origins. I'm very hopeful because of things like the Free Your Mind Conference and how many people were in that room even just during my talk, that were resonating with the truth and that now have a huge amount of the truth and all the people that bought the DVD set and that pre-ordered it because I ran out. Okay, I'm encouraged hugely by these people and, and our ability to shift the morphogenetic grid, which will basically supercharge the awakening around the globe. It's already happening. Their control system is collapsing, and this is why they're so desperate, and they're, they're pulling out all the stops right now <laughs> to try to stop it from happening. But, you know, the creator is much more powerful, and so there's no stopping it. They will be stopped, well, and this, we will have our planet back. I have no doubt about this, and I encourage people to read the Ringing Cedars books to become familiar with the path that we can take to help create that. I was blown away the first time I was introduced to those books to the point where I'm on the second book, but I read the first book three times until I got my hands on the second one. Some people say that they're works of fiction. Some people say that they're not. I don't think it even matters whether they are or not. The information that's in them is so resonant and so powerful. I think this should be mandatory reading and not that anything should be mandatory, but they're essential reading for anybody. No matter what it is you do or no matter what you're into, they're just phenomenally powerful books and they're very easy to read and there are a couple of different translations from the original Russian and I'll stick up a link to the translation that certainly myself and Stevie would resonate with more because it's amazing how a different translation can impart a different feeling to the words. And I have to echo what you say, Janice. I think they're just the most incredible books. They're amazing. And just to say book two was my least favourite 
they get they get better and better <laughs> after that. So everybody says, yeah. And I will say regarding the idea that they are fiction, I've met Vladimir Megre, uh, the author of the books, a number of times, and I can tell you for sure that Anastasia does exist because there's no way Vladimir could have come forth <laughs> with the kind of information in those books. He well, just isn't, he's not there. I don't uh, think for a minute that they're fiction personally. They're I, definitely not. Um, and Does Vladimir us, speak English? Could we get him on the show? <laughs> he doesn't. Okay, that's a shame. Maybe we'll get a translator or something. That would be amazing to have him on. Yeah. I'll look into that. I'll chat with you off air maybe about that and we'll see if there's anything we can do. Okay, right on. Well, thank you so much for listening. And again, I just, from my heart, want to embrace people and tell you I'm sorry for how hard this is. And um, it sucks being me sometimes to have to deliver this message. But it's what the Creator has asked me to do, and so I have to just suck it up and do it and hope that people will receive it in in love, in the in the energy that it's being offered in is to help love come back to our planet. I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Janice Barcelo, thank you so much for joining me on Alchemy. God bless you, John. Take good care. God bless everybody that's listening or that listens in the future. Alchemy. Control me. Don't reach out or call me I'm happy 
If you've enjoyed this episode of Alchemy, remember we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are very grateful for any and all help that can be offered. There is, of course, no fixed cost on your donations and it all helps. So even if you could spare something as small as the price of a cup of coffee every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us operating and getting as many shows as we possibly can out there. Our donate button is on the website and as I said, all support and assistance is very much appreciated. And thank you indeed to everybody for your recent help. We couldn't do it without you. Our next guest is David Icke and we'll be discussing many interesting topics among them perception, the phantom self and how to find the real one. It promises to be an engaging and interesting discussion. So until then, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?